0: Good evening, it's good to see each one of you here tonight. Would you stand with me? And let's turn to page 331 in the hymn book. Page 331, he brought me out. We're going to sing verses, uh, all four verses actually tonight. Page 331, lift it up with me on the first verse. My heart was distressed, neath Jehovah's dread frown. And lo, in the pit where my sins dragged me down, I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay, Who tenderly brought me out to golden day. He brought me out of the miry clay, He set my feet on the rock to stay, He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise hallelujah he placed me upon the strong rock by his side my steps were established and here i'll abide no danger of falling while here i remain but stand by his grace until the crown i gain he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. He gave me a song, twas a new song of praise by day and by night. It's sweet notes I will raise. My heart's overflowing, I'm happy and free. I'll praise my Redeemer who has rescued me. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise, hallelujah. I'll sing of his wonderful mercy to me. I'll tell him all men his goodness shall see. I'll sing of salvation at home and abroad till many shall hear the truth and trust in God. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise, hallelujah. Amen. Great start tonight.
1: Well, sure glad you're in the house of the Lord tonight, amen. And uh, glad to have our uh, young people up here as well. They're here for big church tonight. And the whole whole time I'm sitting there thinking, did Miss Anna bring cookies tonight? That's what I was was thinking about, amen. Uh, But anyways, uh, we've got kind of a little bit of sickness and stuff like that that has been going around. We'll mention those uh, things uh, tonight, but sure glad that you're uh, here. I guess I ought to maybe mention, if you're tuning in, Uh, live stream this is not a line across your tv screen all right so it's not uh, broke Uh, we're getting ready for our christmas play actually what it is is it's a zip line for the preacher to come in to the pulpit uh, because he got tired of people asking him right before church hey can i talk with you right after service tonight amen and i'm just kidding all right so good to be in god's house tonight let's pray tonight ask the lord's blessing on our services brother gary clark would you pray for us tonight Yes, amen. Won't you be seated? Uh tonight I did just have a few announcements tonight that I, I wanted uh to mention. Of course heard our ladies had a great ladies' meeting last night. Thankful for that. Uh did also want to mention this coming uh Friday uh is the uh, teen Christmas party. So that's this coming Friday, December the 8th, and that's at 6 p.m. And so uh I know the teens are aware of that, but if you have kids in the teen class, make sure that you are aware of that as well and then of course this coming sunday lord willing we'll have brother kent and miss kathy hogan uh here with us and he's going to be preaching sunday morning and sunday night and then of course next tuesday december the 12th is the faith baptist school christmas program that'll be here obviously uh at seven o'clock in the evening and if you do have kids in faith baptist school Do be reminded there are mandatory uh, practices. Of course, there's one more uh, this week. I believe that's tomorrow night uh, at six o'clock, and then next uh, week uh, on the 11th, and so that'll be uh, Monday at six o'clock. And so the kids have been working uh, really, uh, really hard. And you may be here tonight not have any kids in the school. That's okay. I'd encourage you to come. Uh, They're always a blessing. Uh, Thankful for our Christian school. Thankful that we. Uh, have a multitude of avenues to present the gospel of christ amen and so looking forward uh, to that and they always do a great job and such a a blessing uh, there of course also wanted to remind you too. next uh, uh, next wednesday december the 13th if you do have kids in faith baptist school christmas break begins and so there'll be a christmas party and then they're going to eat a whole lot of sugar and then we're going to send them back to you uh, at noon amen Uh, and then also next Uh, next Wednesday night in our service at seven o'clock be our annual business meeting so come prayed up and ready for that and then of course December the 16th is our church-wide outreach Uh, at 10 30 in the morning we'll be going out and doing some caroling and then December the 17th is our junior church uh, Christmas program and then of course some things you know Christmas Eve services uh, on Sunday this year and so uh, we've been announcing those things and so hopefully you're aware of all of that stuff we did have bulletins that went out last sunday so make sure you get uh those and that way you know what's going on okay let's go ahead and get our prayer list uh out tonight and uh let's go to the lord in prayer and uh do have some updates and things like that i wanted to mention tonight did want to apologize to gary and angel uh, waters they mentioned a friend of miss angel waters last week elizabeth curtis with pregnancy complications and I for, somehow missed her uh, getting her on the printed prayer list. And so, if you could add her uh, on there, uh, if you want to go ahead and write her down, Elizabeth Curtis, uh, pregnancy complications. And so, if you would uh, certainly continue to pray uh, for her. I've had all kinds of issues. I spelled Rule, R U L E. I spelled it R U E L in chapel today. I've got all kinds of things. So, I don't know what's going to happen in the message tonight. All right. So, I'm just going ahead and. Pleading the Fifth Amendment right now. All right, uh, but uh, some other things I wanted to mention tonight. Uh, if you would pray uh, for Laura Romo, uh, that is uh, Steve and Mary Parker's uh, daughter. They were supposed to induce her Monday, and ended up not inducing her, and so she went into her weekly checkup uh, today, and they ended up uh, they ended up kind of diagnosing her and saying that she may have uh, some preeclampsia. And so they are going ahead and inducing her today. And so, uh, Lord willing, uh, there may be a baby uh, here uh, sometime tonight or something like that. Haven't heard uh, anything yet. But if you would pray for uh, mama and baby and certainly all the family, I know they would appreciate uh, that. Uh, thankful to uh, get to visit with Brother Roy McCray today. Got to go to rehab. And so, uh, thankful for that and doing uh, really well. But do continue to pray for him. Also, Brother Donnie Carr that's got a procedure uh, next Tuesday uh, with his skin cancer, if you would pray uh, for him. Does anybody else have a prayer request or an update uh, tonight uh, on our prayer list? Anybody uh, have anything tonight? Okay, Ms. Sue. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Sure. okay Yeah. okay all right so this yeah all right so let's uh met maddie owens on the very uh right side there very top there a little four-year-old uh dealing with leukemia and certainly been having a lot of struggles and, and battles and so if we could, let's pray for her tonight, certainly uh, pray for the doctors to have the wisdom uh, that they need, try to figure out what's going on. I know we've got a lot of sickness as well that's been going through the school and the church and, and things like that, and so if you would pray uh, for those uh, folks tonight. I know Brother Tim uh, Quinlan's still kind of battling with some things, and uh, I know it's at our house uh, with Emily, and uh, uh, so j- just pray for those things tonight. Anybody else tonight? Okay, Miss Edler. okay okay all right so this is laura hall and again this is on the right hand column uh just about five names six names down there right under laura romo and so this is a friend of miss melanie edler's and so if we could pray for her tonight anybody else tonight okay miss sherry okay okay all right so let's continue to pray uh, for miss carrie Sheely, and she's on the left-hand column there almost at the bottom and of course had that brain cancer and praise the lord for that miracle and uh thankful for that so anybody else tonight okay miss georgie Okay. <laughs> amen amen okay so let's continue to pray for laura stanfield and the cancer and um, pray for god's hand on that as well okay anybody else tonight we so got quite a few updates and prayer requests tonight amen let's go ahead and have our men uh come tonight you would keep track of these things and pray for these things. God is faithful. Amen. And so we need to continue to pray for one another and lift these things up in prayer. Brother Rich Raymer, would you pray for for us tonight? Pray for the offering. Amen. Amen.
0: His name is indeed wonderful, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Let's stand one last time together. Turn to page 137. Page 137, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4 tonight. Page 137. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconcile joyful all ye nations rise join the triumph of the skies with angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem heart sing, glory to the newborn King, Christ by highest hand adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail incarnate Deity Pleased as men with men to dwell Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Come desire of nations come Fix in us thy humble home rise the woman's conquering seed bruise in us the serpent's head adam's likeness now efface, face stamp thine image in its place second adam from above Reinstate us in Thy love. heart the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Amen. Great singing tonight. And ask you to remain standing. Go and get your Bibles ready for the message tonight.
1: Here uh, tonight, they're going to discover my secret. And my secret is, what I've been preaching in here, I've been preaching to them in chapel, amen? And uh, But the good news is, we're all on the same page, because I did the qualifications of a bishop this afternoon and, and finished up on that. And so, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 1 Timothy and chapter number 3 tonight. 1 Timothy and chapter uh, number 3 tonight. But I, I'm telling you, this isn't just big people stuff, Amen. This, this is church-wide and, and things like that, and I believe it'll be a help to us uh, once again tonight, and uh, if anybody needs it, Brother Alan Quinlan needs it, amen, and Seth Wisdom needs it, our deacons in the church that are here tonight, amen. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 8, I was thinking about, thinking about tonight, well two people ought to at least respond tonight in the invitation, no I'm just kidding, you thankful for these men tonight, really am. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 8. So here's what he says, likewise. Now again, that's tying in to what we've been looking at, at, the qualifications of a bishop. And so now here's what he says. There are qualifications for deacons. He says, likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy, of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in, pure, in a pure conscience. And let, also, let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Well, I'm telling you, that's not happening in today's churches. Then look at verse number 11. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Ruling their children in their own house as well. So they have to be men. All right. And then notice in verse 13 for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to stop there in, in our preaching tonight. But let me keep reading so that you can see where we're going. Look look at what it says in verse 14. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I'm telling you tonight, if Faith Baptist Church is going to be a church that honors and pleases God, then it's got to govern itself according to the Word of God. And that means having qualified men in leadership according to the Scriptures. And so that is the idea uh, tonight, all right? So again, Timothy is at the church at Ephesus to establish sound. Healthy doctrine, healthy doctrine produces holy people, right? In the pew, but now we find also in the pulpit and in the leadership of the church. Father, bless the preaching tonight. Have your will in way in our hearts tonight. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to be reminded tonight that though these are offices within the church, there's still characteristics that people need in their lives today. People need to be saved, people need to follow Christ in baptism and become part of one of the Lord's churches. And Lord, one of the Lord's churches is not one that's looking to entertain men, but rather looking to hold to the Scriptures. Would you help us tonight to be one of those churches? In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight. We appreciate you standing in honor uh, of God's Word. Now, one of the things that was, well, maybe not one of the things... But really several of the things that we have been looking at uh, as we've looked at uh, the uh, qualifications of a bishop, really we could say this, that those same principles apply as we begin to get in the text tonight and look at the qualifications of the deacons. Like the office of a bishop, I think it would also be fair to say that the office of a deacon is a good work. And and really, I I think this, even in the text tonight, we're going to see, and it's pointed out here in what we just read, it is an office within the Lord's church that comes with eternal rewards. And so therefore, it is a good work. Like the office of a bishop, you and I need to know these qualifications tonight so that we can elect qualified men to serve in this office and, and Faith Baptist Church will remain sound in their doctrine. All right, Like the office of a bishop, these are also good things to have in our lives. All right, And, and so that's the idea here. Now, I want you to listen to this tonight. If the office of a deacon is not being abused by churches today, then it is becoming obsolete in others. There are a multitude of reasons why that we could discuss tonight. Abuse of authority, negligence of the Scriptures. I even thought about this. There's becoming a lack of qualified men. Uh, and those, those kind of things, but but here's what I know tonight. All right, in my years of pastoring, I, I can definitely see all right that the Lord knew exactly what He was doing when He gave the ordinances to His churches, but He also gave the offices to His churches. All right, and I and I want to say this, and I wrote this in my notes tonight, and I want to say this. I want to go on record tonight to say this. I am thankful for the deacons. In the, men of, in the faithful men of Faith Baptist Church. Because without them, we would not be the church that we are. All right, And may we continue to hold to the Scriptures and put godly men into this office of a deacon and even as a bishop and things like that. Now, as we get into our study here tonight, certainly I think that when you look around In Christendom today, I think that there are two key things that we need to note here tonight about this office of a deacon, all right? So, number one is this with regard to our study here in chapter three, I want you to notice this. We find that there are only two offices of the church within the scriptures. There's only two, okay? That is the bishop or the pastor and the deacon. The Bible knows nothing of a pope or a cardinal or a priest or a parson or or a praise leader or, or whatever you want to come up with in our day and time, all right? There is the pastor, which is also called an elder and a bishop, and then there is the deacon, all right? These are those offices where God has put. His, in His Word, standards within His Word to ensure that qualified men fulfill these offices and a church can remain sound in doctrine. Now, when you think about that, let me also say this. This does not mean we shouldn't have standards in other places of leadership. We, we, sure, we, we certainly should. I, I, I believe this. I believe that the standards for the, the bishop, that, that would apply to the assistant pastor. And that the, those same qualifications uh, need, need to be met by the, the assistant pastor and, and the staff. I would say this, if someone's going to teach a Sunday school class, they need to make sure that they're apt to teach, that they can handle the, the Word of God. They, they should know what they believe and why they believe it. Come on, friend, I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't, think, I don't want someone teaching my kids the Bible when they don't really know where they stand. You understand what I'm saying? I I think this. I think they should be on board with our church doctrine. And and they should be faithful examples within the church. But but you understand. But when it comes to the pastor and the deacon, those are the two specific offices within the Word of God that that is specifically pointed out. Now, I want to also take a side note here to say this because somebody might say this. Well, wait a minute. What about the office of a trustee? All right, and I want to address that because those are voted on by the church and those kind of things, and we have trustees in our church. And the reason for that, all right, the reason for that is because in the business world, all right, there are often times where there's a requirement of four signatures the president, the vice president, the treasurer, and the secretary. And in some churches, there may not be enough, or any for that matter, qualified men to fulfill the office of a deacon and so therefore there is a need of trustworthy men or trustees to help with the business of the church and in things like that and their role is similar in the sense that they come alongside the pastor and the deacon to assist in any needs of the church they are also there for counsel and, and accountability however they're not a scriptural office like the pastor and the deacons everybody understand that tonight so so again, there's only two offices. Now, here's the second thing to point out here. The office of a deacon, and I think this is one that becomes, kind of becomes very obvious. The office of a deacon has been one that has been abused. It has been used improperly within churches and denominations over the past several decades. Is anybody getting this tonight? So, so you understand, now, now listen to this, we are Faith Baptist Church, so our standard is not what the other churches are doing. Our standard is not what a denominational headquarters says. Is everybody getting this? That means this, we don't look to them for direction and instruction. Our, our, our standard is not what a convention says, or what a college says, or, or what a fellowship says. No, our standard is the Bible. Our standard is the Word of God. And so therefore, it determines the responsibility that a deacon has within this church. Alright, so, so the word, the, the biblical role of a deacon is this, servant. B- in fact, that is exactly what the word deacon means, the title, the name, whatever you want to call it. It literally means this, it is a servant serving others in the church is both the meaning of their name or their title, but also the purpose for which their office was created. I want I want, to hold, want you to hold your Bibles there in First Timothy chapter 3. Hold your place there and go back with me to the book of Acts in chapter number 6. Just quickly with me, very quickly, Acts chapter number 6. Now I want you to watch this. So in verse number 1 of Acts chapter 6 it says... It says, and in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, so this is talking about the church at Jerusalem, right? This is the church that Christ started, all right? This is the church that he appointed Peter to be the next pastor of, all right? And so it says, and in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. So this is the apostles. And, and they said, and, and said, it, it, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And then it begins to list the names of who, who they chose out. And down in verse 6, they, they prayed, laid their hands on them, and, and sent them out to do the work. So, but, but here's the thing. This is when the office of a deacon was established. All right, There was a lack of service. It talks about among the Grecian widows. And in verse 2, it mentions serving tables, which implies feeding them, taking care of them. This was being done by the pastor and all the assistant pastors, all the, the apostles that were there. And the reason for the lack of service to the widows was because of the men of God's responsibility to the Word of God and the number of people that were now within the church. You've got to remember that in Acts chapter 2, this church went from 120 people and it grew by, by 3,000 in one day. 3,000 people got saved and baptized in one day. That was awesome. I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, you listen to get water, to, you know, when you stay in the bathtub too long when you were a kid and you come out and you're all wrinkled up. Emily likes to do that. We forget about her and like an hour and a half later, we go in and check on her. She's still in the tub. She comes out and she's all wrinkled up. How cool would that be to get water wrinkled up from water because you've been baptizing people all day. So it went from 120 to 3,120. And then by the way, two chapters later, 5,000 people got, get saved. So now you've got 8,120 people. Can you imagine? And can you imagine the number of widows and the needs within that church? And here's the men of God... And they're trying to study the Bible and, and prepare for preaching and services. And and how many how many how many Sunday school classes you could have? You could have like, you know, I mean, you anyways, you got a lot of names in there, you know. You could you could have like the anyways, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but you understand what I'm saying. And and so they're trying to prepare for all this, but yet there's all these needs. And so they said here. Let's do this. Let's get deacons. Let's let's put together these men of God, these deacons that would come alongside and help the men of God and that they can serve the people so that the men of God have the time that they need to be in prayer and to study the Word of God. Is everybody catching this? Because please, please listen to this. All right? Their job was not to keep the pastor in check. Is anybody catching this? They, they were not established to tell the pastor what to preach. They, they were not given an office so that they could fire the pastor if they felt like, well, you know, he's getting a little too much control. Is anybody... You understand what I'm saying to you? That, that's the idea. The Bible knows nothing of a deacon board... It knows nothing where deacons have authority over the pastor and run the church from behind the scenes. Let, let me help you with this tonight. Those things are out of order. And when, when, when things are out of order, listen to me, many a pastor and many a people in the pew have been hurt by those things. I, I've told this testimony before, but uh, when, when God was calling us to Castleville, Missouri, and I took the pastor at, at Bible Baptist Church there in Cassville. We had to sell our house in Springfield, Missouri uh, so that we could move there. And in the process of all of that, we got in contact with this, this really sweet lady that, that became our realtor. And so we were getting ready. She helped us and did, did just a great job. But in the passing and, and, and getting everything all, you know, set up and to sell our house and all of that, we really didn't have time. To witness to her or talk to her about spiritual things like we wanted to and and natalie and i both as we were getting ready we were going to to sign the papers and 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 to close on the house that day and so we had determined that while we were there if the lord opened up the door we were going to talk to our realtor about spiritual things we wanted to know if there was a time and place in her life where she put her faith and trust in christ and and those kind of things and and so this is what i learned all right and 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 I don't know why I didn't know this, but I really took notice of that. I've bought and sold houses before, but what I figured out was, when you buy a house, you sign your life away. When you sell the house, it goes a lot faster. So we made it there, and when we got there, the people that were buying our house, they were back in there with the title people, and they were signing their life away, so we had all kinds of time. And so we started talking to this lady, and Started talking to her about her salvation and her spiritual background and things like that. And here's what her testimony was. She got saved as a young lady. She got saved as a teenager. In a, in a, it was actually in a Baptist church, I want to say. And it was a Southern Baptist church or something like that. And she, she began to tell us about how you know, it was just amazing that you know, she started going to church with, with uh, so, you know, some of the other kids in, in the teen group. And she came into the church and, and the preacher started preaching and, and man, he was just on fire and passionate for the things of God. And she called on the Lord and she got saved. And there were other people in the church that were getting saved and, and getting right with God. But then she said this, but the deacons in the church started getting jealous. And, and they started feeling like the pastor was getting you know, too much control and things were getting out of hand. And so what they did was they fired the pastor and ran him off. And she said, when she saw that happen, she said, I just really, man, it, just, it just broke my heart. And so I stopped, you know, going to church and my family stopped going to church. And there were a lot of people that stopped going to that church and it eventually kind of shriveled up. And she said, I don't even really know if it's even in existence anymore. Folks, what I'm trying to say to you is this. That is exactly what happens when people get things out of order in the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying? It, it Listen, it damages people. It hurts people. And think about Here's this dear lady that could have been living her life for the Lord Jesus Christ and serving God, but yet she had been hurt because things had been out of order. And think about what that pastor and his family went through as they were watching God move and watching God work and the prayers being answered and confirmation being done. And then all of a sudden a bunch of wicked men ruined it for everybody. You, you understand what I'm saying? Listen, that, that, that this, this is not the kind of stuff that the office of a deacon w- was created for. Yes, the pastor does need to be accountable. But he is to be accountable to all of the people of God, the deacons included. And, and, and you understand, and yes, the deacons should be in good communication with the pastor and know what's going on within the business of the church. However, they are not over the man of God. There's a reason why the office of a bishop comes first. And and here's why. It's because his responsibility is to feed and lead the church. And that includes the deacons in this church. I'm going to tell you this tonight. and I want you to listen to this. A great example of how the office of a pastor and a deacon should work together is found in the relationship that Moses had with Aaron and Hur in the battle with the Amalekites. Joshua and the children of Israel were down in the valley fighting against the Amalekites. And Moses was on top of the hill watching with Aaron and Hur. And when Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. But when his arms got tired and his arms began to come down, the, the, his hands dropped and the Amalekites began to prevail. So here's what Aaron and Hur did they didn't look at him and go, man, that big sissy. He needs to suck it up. I mean, I know he's 80 years old, but 80 is the new 50, Moses. You better get with it. No, you know what they did? They came over beside him and they lifted his arms up so that the people of God could have victory down in the valleys. You might get this tonight? That's the role of a deacon. It's not it's to come up beside the man of God, beside the pastor, to hold him up in prayer, help him to feed and lead the people of God. And and it's not so they can gain some kind of power and control, but rather so the people of God can prevail and live victoriously. In God's order, everything has a place and a purpose. Everything has a place and a purpose. And when that place and purpose, when those things are abused, bad things happen. But when a church comes together and says, you know what? We're the pillar and ground of the truth. We have a responsibility to our community. We have a responsibility to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And that means this. We have a responsibility to humble ourselves and line ourselves up with the Bible. And what I found is this. When you do that, everything works like it's supposed to. Even within a church. There's no Hatfields and McCoys, friend. There's not supposed to be any inward fighting or disunity. No, 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 no. People are to humble themselves, come together, and do things according to what the Bible says. And it's no different with the office of a deacon. It's no different. So let's look at some of these qualifications tonight. And again, these are things that, that not just the deacon and his family need or the pastor and his family need. These are things everybody needs in, our, in their lives. Look at, look at verse number 8 again. Let's dive into this tonight. We do got a little ways to go here. But, but we'll be quickly. Some of these are repetitive with the bishop, uh, with the office of a bishop, and so we'll move quickly. But here's a new one here. Look at verse number 8. It says, Likewise must the deacons be grave. Grave. What does that mean? Does it mean he looks like he's about to die? No. <laughs> grave, grave speaks to their testimony. All right, grave literally means this. It means venerable or honorable. Okay, it means a deacon must live his life in such a way that he is honored and respected among other saints. Like the pastor, he is not perfect. But he is striving to walk with God in integrity, honesty, humility, humility. A deacon must be the epitome of what a biblical member of this church should look like. Is everybody getting this? That means this they must be faithful to attend the church services. They they must be faithful in their giving, including tithing and missions and other offerings. They must be faithful in their standards of appearance and how they live and their holiness and separation. They must be faithful in their Christ like attitude. And they must be faithful to walk with God in His Word and in prayer. This is and really when you look at this, that's what everybody, all of God's people should be doing. Right? And and so you understand that that's that that's what that, that's what we should be learning and doing in our spiritual growth. In a, a, a deacon must be a grave, must be grave, meaning an example of that. Notice in verse 8, it also goes on and says this: not not only must they be grave, but it says not double-tongued. All right, double-tongued literally means to tell a different story. Now, I'm sure we don't know anything about that with our politicians. That, that, listen, this, that's what a politician does. That's what I call, in, in the South we'd say this, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. You know what that means? That means this, he's telling one thing to one person but then giving a completely different account to another person. Well, we could all right, y'all awake tonight? Do we need to we need to talk about politics a little bit and perk some of y'all up? But but you understand that's that's what a politician does. They change their story. Listen to this. They change their story depending on their audience. Because they're looking to promote themselves rather than to actually give the truth. As we saw with many of the qualifications of a bishop, when man becomes the primary audience, bad things also happen. Listen to me, this includes the tongue and distorting the truth. Whether whether the audience of man has changed or not, you're talking to one person or another person, that doesn't matter because here's the thing, the audience of God hasn't changed. And therefore a deacon must be a godly example in his speech. He cannot be double-tongued. Here's how James describes it in James chapter 3. If you want to, you can turn... In your Bibles there, it's just past uh, Timothy, Titus, and those kind of towards the back of the book. But James chapter 3, James is dealing with the the tongue. And in chapter 3 and verse number 9, he starts saying things like this. He says, says, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. That's called being double-tongued. And he goes on and says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. He says, My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? That'd be pretty weird, wouldn't it? To go back to the water fountain and you start drinking it and it's fresh water and then all of a sudden salt water starts coming out. I'd have some questions. Why? Because that's not how it's supposed to work. And he goes on down and uses other illustrations, but the idea is this. That is how, that, that is how our tongues ought to be. You understand? The, the deacon has no business distorting the truth through his speech, nor does he have any business giving the perception that he's living the truth through his speech. He has no business speaking of spiritual things at church, but at the same time speaking of vile things at home or cursing and telling dirty jokes at work. That's, that's being... That's being double tongued. And folks, that's not just something for the deacon or the pastor. That ought to be every child of God in here tonight. That we would not be double tongued in our speech. And I want you to think about this. There's a reason why, there's a reason why this is being dealt with in the office of a deacon, and it's being dealt with, it's like the second thing that's being dealt with. Because not only can it can much damage be done by the tongue. But usually someone starts when someone starts to undermine the leadership, guess where it starts? It starts right here. You know there's a scene in the Bible where David is the king of Israel and all the men start coming in and they're walking through the gate and there's a young man, it's one of David's sons named Absalom. And he steps out and says, Hey, what are you guys doing here? And they go, well, we're going to see the king because we have this issue that's going on right here. And here's what Absalom would do. He would say, well, listen, you're, you're going to go and try to see the king, but he's not going to probably have time for you. And, and if he does have time for you, here's probably how he's going to handle this matter. And it's not going to come out for your, in your favor. But if I was the king, th- this is how I'd handle it. You like the sound of that? Yeah, I like the sound of that. Sounds pretty good to me. Is everybody catching this? And, and the next thing you know, he has all the ears of the men of Israel. And, and it says, here's what the Bible says. It says, Absalom stole away the hearts of the men. You know how he done it? Double-tongued. Is everybody catching this? I, I'm telling you, I, listen, that, that's, how, that's how stuff begins to happen uh, in the house of the Lord, it's it's no it it's no different. And I want you to think about this. L- listen, think about the damage that was done because of that. Think, think about the damage. Think about how hard, how how difficult, how much David was hurt by this. David had to flee the city of Jerusalem and flee the throne, and, and a whole bunch of people had to go with him. And they walked in bitterness and sorrow and wept as they went because they were heartbroken over what Absalom had done. Think about the people and and how they were hurt by all of these things. Think about about in the end what it cost Absalom. Double-tongued. Verse number 8, look down again. It says, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine. So, So this is interesting. Not given to much wine. Oh, so the deacons, they can drink alcohol. They just can't drink too much. Well, you'd have some crazies that would try to justify that. But that's not what's meant by this. So, so so, so, if you'll notice and go back up to verse number three. So in verse number three, when dealing with the qualification of a bishop, it says this, not given to wine. But now you come down to the deacon and it says, not given wine to much wine. And and, and this, this is what we must understand here. Now please listen to this tonight. If you take notes, you ought to just write this down. This is not a loophole for social drinking. It's not what this is. Rather, you know what he's talking about? This is a direct reference to drunkenness. That's what he's saying to the deacons have no business getting drunk. Nobody has any business getting drunk. Is everybody catching this? So now watch this. This is what you got to think about here. There there is what I would call implied truth all down through here. All right? And what I mean by that is, and and here's here's a for instance. All right? Look down at verse number 11. All right? Stay with me. So here's what it says about the deacon's wives. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. So... So this is a deacon's wife. So so here's the thing. When you go back up to the qualifications of a bishop, it doesn't mention the wife of a bishop. Though it doesn't mention the wife of a bishop, it's still implied that the wife of a bishop is to be a godly woman just like the wife of a deacon. Wouldn't we agree on that? All right. so we can't say this. Well, just because there's no direct reference to the pastor's wife... Well, that just means this. She can do whatever she wants to do. No? She can't. All right. But the point is this the same implied principle could be said about wine. It is already mentioned that a pastor should stay away from alcohol altogether. This is a command from the scriptures for really all of God's people. So so you understand, therefore, it is also implied to the deacon. So understanding that, instead of saying, "Well, the, the deacon doesn't, you, you know, the deacon doesn't need to partake of any alcohol," Paul just goes right to the point of where alcohol leads and says, "You know what? The deacon doesn't need to be drunk, uh, drunkard, or anything like that." Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so again, this this is not a loophole. So just as the pastor, they are to be men of the spirit, not of the flesh. It seems to be the context of the verse, not. Not, not with the, t- uh, you know, they're, they're not to be double-tongued. They're not to, you know, partake of the vices of this life like alcohol. And then in the next qualification it says this. In verse number 8 it says this, not greedy of uh, filthy lucre. And again, this is the same qualification of a, of, a, of a bishop. It is a reference to the love of money which is the root of all evil. And the pastor and the deacon needs to keep Christ first in their life. Just like Sotusha, the child of God. Look at verse number 9 here. Holding holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. So here's what else it means. It means this, they must be faithful and pure in conscience. The phrase holding the mystery of of the faith literally means this, to be faithful to the gospel and the doctrines found in the word of God. And notice it says faithful, it says this, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, that means this, that he genuinely believes it. He believes it. He's not a hypocrite trying to appear a spiritual on Sunday, but then living carnally and worldly the rest of the week. He genuinely believes the Bible and strives to live it out daily in his life. Folks, again, that's what we all should be doing. Look down at verse number 10. It says, "Unless these And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So the, again, they must be proven, and this is similar to the pastor not being a novice. The deacon must also be experienced. The word proven means put to the test. In other words, he has to show over a span of time through his testimony and his walk with God that he is genuine and able to fulfill the office. When I was welding, and, and before I got, you know, became a pastor, I was welding in the secular world, and I was a pipe welder. All right, And so I did x-ray welding and stuff like that. Now now here's the thing. When I went onto a job site and I said, hey, I'm a welder, they didn't look at me and go, yeah, he looks kind of like one. Let's hire him and give him a welding machine and get him some pipe and turn him loose and let him work. He looks like a welder. No, you know what I had to do? I had to take a test. I had to take a 6G, what they call a 6G test. And it was on a 45 angle like this and you, had to, and you had to weld it on both sides and all this. Anyway, and they would test it, they would x-ray it and they would go, oh, you are a welder. That's exactly the same idea with a deacon. Listen, the Bible knows nothing of a guy being a deacon in one church and so he leaves that church and comes over to another church and still retains his office of a deacon in that church. That's not in the Scriptures. That's not in the Bible. This, this is what's going on in churches today. Let me, let me help you with this. We ain't doing that. Amen. We're not, we're not going to go, you know, it, just somebody comes in and walks in off the street and says, hey, I'm a deacon down at such and such. Can I join here and be a deacon? Nope. You can join here, but you're going to have to prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Amen. You, you understand? That, that's the idea there. That, that's the understanding. Look down at verse number 11. So it also mentions this. Their wives, they must have godly wives their wives, their, their wives also have to be grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Grave, again, talks about being honored and respected because of her godly testimony. She is not to be a slander. This is like not double tongue that we saw earlier. So she's not to be a gossiper. She's not to destroy the character of others behind their back with her tongue. She is to be sober. This means self-controlled. And 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 this is what a deacons deacon, a, a woman a deacon's wife must be an example of a woman not ruled by her emotions but rather she's governed by the scriptures and the spirit of God. She's faithful in all things. She's in her place at church. She serves others with gladness. She is dependable. She's a faithful helpmeet to her husband and her children. Look down at verse number 12. It says let the deacons be husbands of one wife ruling their children with their own house as well. So they must have a godly home. Like the pastor, a deacon must be a man because that is what a husband of one wife is. And also like the pastor, a deacon cannot be divorced. His marriage must be a testimony, an example to others within the church. Also like the pastor, a deacon must lead, be the leader of his home. His wife must be submissive to his leadership. His children must be in subjection to him as their father. They are not perfect, but they are under control. I mean, kids are, let kids be kids. Whether they're the pastor's kids or the deacon's kids, kids are going to be kids. Somebody say amen. But, but they ought to certainly be under control. Now look down at verse number 13. It says, For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness and faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So this, this, this last part right here talks about this and i think this is the idea here is this is that the deacons need to understand their reward and this is what this is talking about if and notice here note the rewards only come if he uses the office of a deacon well well and here's what it says he his reward is this he he is rewarded with a good standing look at what it says in verse 13 for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree. That's what that word means. It means a good standing. In other words, a man who serves the office of a deacon well receives a good standing among the saints. You know what he's looked to as an example? He's viewed as a, a leader in the church. His family, he and his family are respected. In reverenced, thats what a deacon needs to understand. That if he uses this office well, these are the things that are going to happen. But also, this look—look look down. It says this: and great boldness in faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So, this talks about not only his good standing but good spirituality. He has given great boldness in the faith. It is the idea that when God calls you to fulfill one of His offices within the church. He will also equip you with what you need to fulfill that office. A deacon is no different. You want to look at a good good deacon? You want to look at a real good deacon? Look at Stephen. In Acts chapter 6, in that passage that we read, it gives the name of men who are called out to be deacons within the church. And here's one of those men, Stephen. He is full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And guess what? All of Acts chapter 7 is devoted to Stephen preaching. He's a deacon. See, yeah, preacher, but he got stoned to death. Yeah, but let me help you with this. His ministry didn't go unrewarded because there was a man standing there holding all the coats, and his name was Saul. And he became the Apostle Paul who God is using to pin this down. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? See see you understand? Listen, the, the the stuff that's going on in churches today with within the leadership with, with pastors, you know, just makes me sick wearing skinny jeans and and preach, you know, in t-shirts and they're 45 and 55 and 60 years old and trying to look like they're 25. Grow up. That's not biblical. That's not holy. That's not godly leadership. Somebody say amen. In churches today, sitting around trying to entertain people, that's not Bible. That's not scriptural. Is everybody getting this? And when it comes to the office of a deacon, it's not somebody that, that keeps the preacher in check. Or that bounces around from church to church, and he's a deacon in this church and a deacon in that church. And no, 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 no that that's not a deacon at all. Look at what the Bible says about men of God. Look at what the Bible says about deacons in the church. And let me help you with this: when you see men like that in a church, that's the church that's 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 the church I want to be a part of, one that's lining up with the Word of God. And be in fact, I would say to you this: those kind of characteristics that, that that's, that's what I want to see our young men and our young ladies being raised up in our church. That they would be able to fulfill these roles and these offices within the church. Somebody say amen. And, and that we would, you know, and that we would make sure that we're, as a church, that we're putting biblically qualified men into these offices. But also this, when you look at this kind of stuff here, I've got to be honest with you. It's not like every one of these things we'd go, yeah, that's good for them, but that's that. I don't. I'm I'm okay without that. No, I think every one of us need to have these things in our lives. That we would not listen. That every one of us would not be double tongued. That we'd not be partaking of alcohol. That we would be grave. That we would be living honorable. All of these things, and we would be striving to have an, a godly home. All of these things. Let's all stand tonight every head bow,